Harrison. That's me. Thank you, and welcome to the first podcast that is unnamed at this time. Uh, do appreciate you coming in. Thanks. Uh, this is a Hill Country Tech Guys podcast. Uh, our goal here is to, to meet Harrison, and eventually we're going to meet the rest of the Hill Country Tech crew. But Harrison is one of my favorite people here, so I figure we'll You're start like out with him. Uh, so, Harrison, introduce yourself, give us a little background. Well, uh, my name is Harrison, last name Russell. Uh, I grew up in a family of five, and I've been working for Hill Country Tech Guys for two-ish years now. So, big family, I know how to run a circus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, why don't you tell us, uh, I guess, what brought you to Hill Country Tech Guys? I actually worked in retail for a long time, um, and I lost my job at Office Depot, um, and then was selling diamonds, actually, at the mall here in town. I moved really? to San Marcos, out of College Station, and I was probably only there for a few months. I had, like, just moved to San Marcos, and my buddy Mark here, um, he's like, hey, you know, they're hiring a dispatcher. I think you'd be really good for it. Send Natalie your resume. I was like, okay, cool. So, whatever, you know, retail sucks. Let's see what this is. And I sent my resume, and I didn't hear back for a while, but I was like, whatever, at least I have a job. I wasn't really looking. It was mm-hmm. just this opportunity that came up. And that's the best I'll time pass it to off. look for a job. Yeah. yeah. And then after about a month, Mark's like, hey, you know, they're for real hiring this time. Send it again. And then Natalie called me in and uh, had my interview, and same day she offered me a job. And I'm like, cool, yeah, I'll do it. Really? I, I put my two weeks in. I left the jewelry store at the mall. And I started here, and I've been here since. Cool. So, uh, how did you know Mark? Mark and I actually grew up together. We met in Scouts when I was like ah, 10. I'm an Eagle Scout. He uh, finished. I did, did not. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 what did you get to? Star. I was like one merit badge away from life, and then like four more after that to do my Eagle. Uh-huh. And I was just like... Whatever. I was like 13 and I did it all so fast and I didn't want to do it anyway. I was one of the things, one of the many things my parents were like, you're doing it. I'm Uh, like, okay. It's so so close. I'm 13. Yeah. So from 13 to 18, I made zero progress and never finished. (laughs) So so, were you still going to meetings and just... Absolutely not. Oh, no? I was just like, nope, I'm done. Like, this is the end. your parents couldn't force you to go? Uh, They tried. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very stubborn. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Sounds like it. I was a very uh, a child who listened to what their parents said oh, for the longest time. Not me. I was one of two of the rebellious. Me and my little sister are the rebels out of the five. Gotcha. And where do you... I'm in the middle. Place in the middle? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's girl, boy, me, boy, girl. Gotcha. I had four. I was the oldest. I kind of, I guess, had to listen. I guess I didn't have to. Yeah. It just made life easier when my parents were mad at my siblings and not at me. Oh, no. My dad was psychic. He knew when I was in trouble without my parents even talking to each other. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He'd walk in the door and my mom would go, go beat your son. And he would know which one he had to beat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Uh, So we already know what brought you to Hill Country Tech Guys. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, I guess, previously, or rather, uh, you're in dispatch now. 
so you are, are I guess, probably have more client FaceTime or VoiceTime than anybody else within the company. And I guess, tell us about your retail experience and kind of how that's relevant to your current position. So the longest retail position I had was at Office Depot. And within six or eight months, they promoted me to a lower manager. And another six or eight months, then I was a little bit higher. And within less than two years, I was the assistant store manager. Wow. Uh, so number two in at least that store. And I was assistant store manager at three different locations uh, before I was terminated. But they're biased. They fired me because I've dated my girlfriend. And my girlfriend and I worked together at Office Depot, and she was another manager. And they decided to let me go because I violated their morals clause and never told them that we were dating. Did so she get to keep her job? She was written up at the time, and less than three months later left as well to move with me in San Marcos. Uh, and uh, where were y'all at before this? Uh, we were working in Huntsville, but I lived in College Station, so I would commute back uh, and forth between College Station and Huntsville. Is that like, like a, a two-hour drive? No, it's only like 45 minutes. 40, okay. I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking from San Marcos. Yeah. Let's see. What else have I got? Uh, actually, what is your official title? That's a good question. Job description. So it was previously lead dispatch, and... Uh, I currently manage two other dispatchers below me, um, and they're tweaking the title a little because I was just given a promotion, uh, which includes a lot of other job responsibilities that I've already taken on um, that weren't in the previous position, so they're still building that out. I don't know what they're going to call it, uh, but currently it was lead dispatcher. Cool. So you started out as a dispatcher, correct? to lead dispatcher. Correct. And now you're super... Super dispatcher. Elite dispatcher. Uh, well, I like that. I'll vote that one. Super okay. Elite Dispatcher. Right, sounds good. Uh, so, uh, describe some of your experiences as a dispatcher and lead dispatcher and kind of tell us what you think helped get you promoted to Super Elite Dispatcher. Uh, I think a lot of it was just, you know, the willingness to help. We have all these clients, um, and we have these clients because they need our help. They know they need our help, and they recognize how valuable IT is. Uh, so they pay us to assist them with anything they need. And as a dispatcher, we answer the phones. We talk to them first. We get all the information we can. And me coming from retail experience with my managerial titles from there, I was always pretty good at conflict resolution and, and handling the customers and handling problems with the critical thinking skills that I built up and everything that I've taught myself about technology. Um, so it was just being able to help the customers with what they needed right then. Because if it was something simple, I could just fix it myself and move on. And if it was something a little more difficult, then I was able to push it to the right tech and get the tech working on it and moving forward so that we have progress and fix the resolution and get the customers working again. Cool. So helping at multiple levels and driving or driving to a resolution uh, on every deal. So uh, no, that, that's awesome. Uh, so getting to talk to a lot of different customers, I have a lot of contact or contact center experience, almost 15 years, and I spent a few years on the phones, and I probably took. I don't know, 10,000 calls or something like that. And, and uh, there was a lot of, or I shouldn't say a lot, with 10,000 calls, you're going to run into some 
wild and crazy customers. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> including accidental gunshots and things like that. What's the craziest story that you got, or I guess maybe interaction that you've had with a customer or client? Uh, we used to have movie Fridays. When we hit our goal at 2.30 um, on Friday, it provided we have hit all of our weekly goals and everything looks green across the board. We'll throw a movie up on the TV in the bullpen and let everybody kind of relax while they keep working throughout the rest of the day. Um, and we did this one time, we put on Iron Man, the first one, mm -hmm. and the movie had like just started. I guess the TV was up a little too loud because his convoy starts to get attacked and all the gunfire and the missiles and everything start. And the person I was on the phone with is like, man, what's going on over there? Y'all sound like y'all are in a war zone. So we're like, oh yeah, sorry. We're just watching TV. Let me go turn that down. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so one of the things that you've done as dispatcher, lead dispatcher, super lead dispatcher is have great, or I guess provide great customer experiences. Um, when we look at your Smileback CSAT score, you're straight 100s across the board. So for anyone aspiring to provide a world-class customer experience, what tips would you give them? Uh, I just treat them all the same. You know, they're all customers. They all need help. Maybe their problems are different, but they're frustrated. Something's broken. And if you can just be nice to them, even if I'm not the one that ends up fixing it, just a pleasant five-minute conversation. Hey, what's going on? You know, how's it broken? What have you tried? Let me try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let me find somebody else to help you. And just the whole interaction of, of you know, getting more information from them and talking and just a little bit of five-minute chat. Like, hey, you know, how's it going? Like, I know this is broken, but what are you doing? <laughs> okay. No, that's great. Build a build the rapport. Get them at ease because when they're calling in, they're... They're in a stress mood, so I get Absolutely. That. Yeah, yeah I, I like to try and calm them down first, because if I can calm them down and be like, hey, you know, we're going to help you. Even if I can't immediately pass them to somebody, then I can at least assure them that I'm going to get this to somebody that's going to fix it, and we're going to fix it. Cool. No, that's great stuff. Uh, so kind of off of Hill Country Tech Guys a little bit here, uh, you're just a little bit of a fan of Star Wars little bit, little bit. Uh, I guess what I guess tell us a little bit about your love of the Star Wars universe and what got you into it I was for sure my dad my dad was an uber nerd he started playing D&D in the 80s when it was new, so I grew up on D&D as well so you got to watch or, or uh, or actually participate when you were a kid in the D &D? in the D and D games. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, I've been playing D and D for a long time, and I DM now with some of my friends uh, when we get around to playing. Oh, that's cool. That you know, that's something that I've actually always wanted to do. When I was a kid, I, I had no idea what it was, but yeah. the boxes that they had for Dungeons and Dragons always mm -hmm. looked awesome. Uh, and I only really found out about it as an adult. But to... It's made a really big comeback over the last couple of years. Yeah. Everybody, like, 
nobody really heard about it for a while. It was big in the 80s when it came out, and then it kind of lulled out. And it was like, oh, man, look at those nerds. They're playing board <laughs> games. And now even some of my quote-unquote cooler friends from high school were like, man, let's go play d and I'm like, bro, I've been playing D&D for years. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. But uh, so like, it takes, it can take not just hours, but days and potentially oh, weekends or more to complete a, Absolutely. a yeah. journey. Right? There's, a, there's a lot of story to it. So, so with, the sto- with the story, are you reading from a book or are you guys making it up? Both. There are there are pre-made campaigns, but it's it's stories like that and and the story of Star Wars that like got me into it so much because mm-hmm. my dad showed me all the original movies and then when the prequels came out and the first one was released in '99, I was only four, but he still took me to the movie theater and my siblings and we went and saw it. So I saw all the prequels in theaters when they were released, and by the time Episode Three came out in 2005, I was ten. So I had already had, you know, at least that six years of memories of Star Wars. You know, anything before I was four, I don't remember as much. But I remember going to see the first one in theaters and seeing the second one in theaters and the third one in theaters and all the originals at home. And we had the VHS copies and then we had the special edition copies, which aren't as good. That's fine. (laughs) I like the original. You didn't have to put in all the extra CGI, George. No, it's terrible. And then the whole, like, in, uh, or the uh, Last Jedi, right, where Luke goes to save Han and Leia uh, at Jabba's palace, or whatever you want to call it, didn't he Return add of the in? Jedi? Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Or, yeah. Return of the Jedi was the sixth one, the one that came out in 83. Yeah. But didn't he add all, uh, didn't he add a whole dance and yes. Scene. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that was not in the original, and it was not necessary. absolutely and completely awful. unnecessary. Yeah, it's just the CGI was bad. The music was bad, and this is what I don't understand: why, how this could happen? I mean, how would someone let George Lucas? It was his off? IP, and he changes his mind a lot. And <clears> if you go back and watch different uh, interviews of him and people asking questions. You know, sometimes you'll have interviewers ask the same questions at two points of time, and George will give you two different answers because he just changed his mind. It's his story. He kind of did whatever he want with it, whatever he felt with at the time, and it worked for a little while. Granted, there were some writing issues with the prequels and the special edition releases. Yeah, okay, okay. I was being nice because I grew up on them, (laughs) but they're flawed. Yes, uh, yeah, I've got I've got some feelings about Lucas. So, just to kind of put that into into perspective, George Lucas he got to make uh, the first three movies back in the seventies and eighties. He earned a lot of credibility. He earned a lot of fame. And the first movie that he made after Star Wars. What was it called? Is it something with Howard the Duck? Oh, yeah, we don't want to talk about that movie. Yeah. So, this is it's a terrible movie, just uh, in well, general. And this is, for me, like... It was Marvel sure, before Marvel got big. They were <laughs> like, let's make a character about the duck. 
Yeah, okay. well, I'm sure they were like, it's George Lucas, he's a genius. And well, him and Spielberg him did a lot of, of big things. What's and that? Him and Spielberg did a lot of big things. And then when you put um, John Williams behind him on the music, mm-hmm. and you get, you know, I couldn't even tell you the writers, because those are the three names I remember. George and Spielberg and Williams. If you've got the directors... The producers and the music, the script kind of takes second hand because those three will push it the right direction. I'm just saying, episode one through three could have been a lot better if we would have learned our lesson from Howard the Duck. But look what happened to the sequels. Like the same thing. Visually, they're amazing because of the gap in technology between the 70s and the early 2000s mm-hmm. when the prequels came out. They visually looked great for the time, but the story wasn't there. And now, 20 years past that, all the sequels come out. They visually look amazing. Like director-wise, CGI-wise, they all look amazing, but they were kind of bad. Go ahead, explain. I, I agree. But I always view myself as very there cynical was, when it comes to... Uh, there was no direction. Stuff. At mm-hmm. least when George wrote the original script for Star Wars, he had all of Star Wars planned out, episodes four through six. So he knew kind of the story. And yes, there were a lot of edits. There are PDF copies out there of his original script and changes that they made. So but it's that's going to happen with the script. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to make multiple movies over yeah. a span of nearly a decade. Like, because of all the pre-production and the filming, you know, they probably spent about 10 years making all three movies, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and then when you get into now, like, there was no direction. You know, George wasn't involved as much in the orig- in the sequels that came out, so it, the, a lot of the Star Wars came from him directly. So you have all these people who are influenced by him, but it, it just it didn't feel like Star Wars to me anymore, watching the sequels. They were really? pretty, but it didn't feel like Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah, I guess one thing in the Star Wars universe in general for most movies and TV shows is that they seem to nail the visual aspect of it. But I don't, I, I don't know what the... Maybe it's just a, a money grab at this point, and they're going for the lowest competent denominator but the the writing and direction has been awful i and like the shows better yes the clone wars animated series that? that dave filoni did and i'm so happy that they finally released the seventh season the other year really yeah because okay. there was the original six seasons and then they planned on the seventh but it got canceled off of cartoon network for i don't know six or seven years and then just the other year, they were able to push out the seventh season. Um, so it's really good. Yeah, I, I did watch a few seasons of The Clone Wars. I was instructed not to watch the first season as they were trying to get it's, their footing. And it's a little childish. Great. Yeah, but uh, like I think I watched seasons two and three, and it was I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. But I can't remember why I stopped watching it. I think I just ran out of time being a dad, playing rugby, yeah. husband. But uh, yeah. Thank yeah. you for pointing me in, the, in a positive direction. That was a good show. But uh, we each had a homework assignment, and my homework assignment was to watch season two, or at least start watching season two of The Mandalorian. I do have to say, again, uh, visually stunning. They, they do a great job of making it 
feel like the original or look like right. the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. But I can't help but think that in a writer's meeting, someone got to talking about how Dune was going to be coming out in 2021, and then they started... That's with, what you took from it? Yeah. So Dune it was like a mix, of Game, of Thrones, mix of Game of Thrones and, and Dune with, 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 with no. the sandworm. No, I, I, Mandalorian felt more like Star Wars to me than the sequels. Watching the sequels, like, it looks like Star Wars, but it doesn't feel like Star Wars. You don't have that mm-hmm. same heart to it. Well, I would say, I, I can agree to that, but I'm saying the worm itself, it was that very was Dune-esque. And then, like, the dragon face kind of looked it was like a great dragon. What's that? It was a crate dragon. Yeah. And you probably only saw one third of it. That thing is massive. And it's underground. It has, like, six different legs and a long tail. When you watch that first episode, you only see about a third of the beast. Gotcha. So, is that part of the Star Wars universe? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so I'm just ignorant and being simple. Of the beast, yeah. Yeah. You just don't know what it is. Okay. Well, I get... So, speaking of the Star Wars universe, all all I've really read um, are the Boba Fett books. Uh, I think... two Were there two of them? I don't know. Uh, At least, least one. Two. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a long time. I couldn't even. Like all, all I really remember is that Boba Fett was overweight and and that he escaped the uh, Sarlacc pit. Yeah. But can I tell us a little bit about, or I guess, what all you dove down into the Star Wars universe? I was a more active reader when I was younger, so I liked the Jedi Apprentice series where you get a lot more of Anakin growing up. Because in the prequels, you know, you skip all that. At mm-hmm. the end of the first movie, they're like, yeah, we're going to make him a Jedi. Cool. And then you go to the second movie, and now he's 19. So you miss all of his Jedi training. We just go straight to let's start the Clone War. Uh, it's Padme's in trouble. We're going to put them on detail and protect them. And then event, 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 event. And by the end of the second movie, like the Clone War started. And then they do the same thing from the second to the third movie. They skip the entire war. At, mm. the, at the beginning of the third movie, it's over. Dooku dies. Grievous gets captured within the first hour of the movie. Then they just have to kill all the Jedi and let Palpatine take over. So the prequels felt really rushed. There's a lot of story you miss out. So that's why I really liked watching The Clone Wars. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was written and directed by mostly Dave Filoni. There were a lot of other uh, people involved. But Dave Filoni has the, the passion behind him. And he grew up with a, a love of Star Wars similar to mine, but I can definitely concede that his is more. <laughs> um, and and he had that vision, and he worked closely with George on the series a lot. Mm-hmm. So he, Okay, so he, he did work with George. Right, Lewis. yeah, okay. absolutely. He would come to him with questions. Anytime he was bringing something new to Star Wars, he'd be like, hey, this is, this is my idea, this is what I thought about, and this is why I thought about it. And George would either approve it or say, well, let's tweak this. So a lot of the Clone Wars was influenced directly by George Lucas through Dave Filoni. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so it sounds like Dave Filoni had a genuine love of Star Wars. Absolutely. And, and you can pick any of his interviews on YouTube. If you go watch him, that man is giddy like a horse. <laughs> No, that's that's awesome. So maybe that's what was missing from the sequels. 
I think so. Because if you watch The Mandalorian, you have that heart. Because Dave Filoni's in it. Kevin Feige is in it. Pushing Star Wars that they both have this massive love for. They both grew up on and saw the originals in theaters. And I would probably feel the same way if I was born 30 years earlier. Gotcha. Well, maybe I just need to stop being a cynical asshole. And just enjoy the movies instead of trying... Or the the, uh, series instead of trying to nitpick the whole thing. Uh, I did finally get my kids to sit down and watch something related to Star Wars. Yeah. I strategically paused the, the Mandalorian uh, in the second episode where Baby Yoda is reaching into the egg jar. Oh, no. Popping the eggs. That hurt my soul. <laughs> that poor lady's babies. Yeah. <laughs> my kids thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but they did. They finally sat down through one episode of Star Wars, or th- through the Mandalorian. So hopefully, I'll be able to rope them in to uh, watching the movies here soon. But I think it sounds like to me like your experience of watching the Mandalorian. I mean, Jesus Christ, I can't get it right. The watching Star Wars in the mo- in the movie theater is what really got to draw you in. Yeah. To the universe in general. Yeah, th- I think that I was able to see the pre- even though there were the prequels, and you know, everybody mm-hmm. has their own feelings about but the you're, prequels. You're four to ten, but so, I was exactly yeah. I was a kid. They were designed for for me. Age. Yeah, that's how I felt. I went in and saw this, and I had already seen the originals at home with my dad, and then I go and get to see it in theaters, and it's just you know visually stunning. You still get that John Williams score, who just pushes the music out there. I could listen to John Williams all day. Yeah, I agree. Doesn't he? He, he does uh, music for a ton of movies. I want to say Absolutely. the Last Mohican. I used to. He does the Last Mohican. He does E. T. He did Jaws. There's a bunch. Him and Spielberg are a team up, man. And when you put Lucas in, that's what I'm telling you. They will push any movie to greatness. Except Howard the Duck. We're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Nope. I got a, I got a, a couple more questions for you. Uh, or actually, one more question for you. The nine Star Wars movies, rate them best, or rather, worst to best, if you want to give an explanation on each one. Feel free to do so. Uh, Empire, for sure, is number one. Good. I agree. Yeah. I thought the cinematography in that movie was awesome. And then one of my favorite scenes of all time is when they're trying, or I guess the, the guy's got his, his, up, his binoculars on and he's trying to zoom in. Then you slowly see the walker yeah. start to come into focus. Up, gives me good It's the pan up. You see the feet and you're like, what is that? And then it kind of zooms out and pans up and you just see this monster machine. And you're like, oh man, they're doomed. Could you imagine watching that in the movie theaters for the first time? I know. Time? Like, you've never seen anything like that before. I know. Plus, with the reveal, not going to spoil it for anybody else, but if you haven't seen it by now... It's too late. Yeah, it's too go late. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, my, my mom went and saw it in theaters, of course, because the first movie came out on her birthday that year. So she went with it with her parents, and she came out of the theater and was like, man, that movie was really good. And her mom was 
given her a hard time for it. She said, you thought the trailers made it look bad. And my mom was like, I don't remember seeing trailers for this. She told me that the trailers that they had out at the time were so bad because the editing hadn't all been done yet. She didn't even know that the movie trailers she had seen on TV were for the movie she just watched out of. Her opinion changed 180% because she had no idea. Really? Yeah, when Lucas's wife edited the original movies and like finished it and said, all right, here's the final cut. You know, they had already released movie trailers because they're trying to get the hype up and sell mm. the tickets. Mm-hmm. So the trailers didn't have that same editing quality to them. Oh. So my okay. mom was like, wow, this movie's going to tank. And then her weekly ritual with her parents was go see a movie on Friday for a nickel and get some popcorn and stuff. <laughs> and that weekend was her birthday, so they went and saw Star Wars, and she came out of the theater having no idea that she had seen trailers for that movie because it didn't at all look the same or feel the same. Cool. No. Well, I, a nickel is what I'm getting hung up on. Yeah, she's old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we started off with the best in Pride Strikes Back. What's next? Uh, personal love, I'm going to have to go to three next. I know it's a prequel. I know, I know. Over Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. You get to watch Anakin's fall on screen and sure everybody has their own opinions about hating christensen but i'm more interested in obi-wan's part because he's my man crush i love obi-wan he's my favorite character and getting to watch um ewan mcgregor play obi-wan in the first movie and then into the second movie where he starts to train anakin and into the third one where you have to watch him watch anakin fall and just how much Mm -hmm. it hurt him Mm -hmm. and you get to watch ewan evolve into alec guinness's obi-wan from the original trilogy and how much he pushes into the character of obi-wan because even watching him you know back to back the originals and then the prequels I never felt any disconnect between the Obi-Wan. He always, it was just Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Ian McGregor, I think, did a great job. I, I enjoyed his role. But I enjoy anything that Ian McGregor does. Yeah, like, same. And, uh, he's, I will he's watch a movie him. no matter how bad it is, yeah. just because Ewan McGregor. Yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Big fish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and my wife and I also love uh, a Moulin Rouge. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah, that was when I found out he could sing, and I was like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) I would always joke with my girlfriend. I said, if I have the opportunity to leave you today for Ewan McGregor, I would do it. (laughs) I love it. All right. uh, Number three. The rest are irrelevant. They can go in any order, except the prequels, uh, the sequels. Those are last. Okay, so the last Jedi. Yeah, we'll do A New Hope. It's Empire, and then Revenge of the Sith would be my second, and then probably Return of the Jedi, and then A New Hope, and then one, and then two, and then seven through nine just kind of existed. You really didn't like any of those, even. Well, I guess you had different experiences with the prequels too. So, hmm, I should have rewatched those movies before. I. So what I found interesting with the sequels is that I left the theater being like, wow, that's a good movie. But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, wait a second. That didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. That's how I felt about the ninth one. When I watched the seventh one in theaters for the first time, because I saw them all a few times, Mm -hmm. I was like, 
oh man, I'm so happy to get Star Wars again. And then I watched it the second time and I'm like, this is just a new hope reskinned. Yeah. Well, it's the same movie. But that's what I mean. You get to the me, crew together, okay. yeah. you get them on the Falcon, they blow up the big bad spaceship at the end, your mm-hmm. movie's over. It's the same movie. Except yeah. for the part where they kill Han in this one. Yeah. For whatever reason, I enjoyed those much more than the prequels. But I think it was. A That's bit because over they the were prequels. so visually stunning, you didn't notice the bad writing. <laughs> the prequels had so bad of a writing that no matter how good they looked, it didn't matter. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. Uh, all right, so just to wrap that one up Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. My bad. Close enough. Return of the Jedi. I'm getting it mixed up. And then you said basically anything after that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, cool. Harrison, thanks for being our, our uh, guinea pig. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate you stepping in and stepping up. Uh, definitely enjoyed talking with you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. I got to go help some people. Okay. Sounds good. Well, let's get to it. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>